everyone. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here, continuing with our Big Ten previews. Today's team is Rod's number four team, the pesky Wisconsin Badgers. Thank you to all of you who support the show via one-time gifts through PayPal or Venmo, or on a recurring monthly basis on Patreon or Substack. As a reminder, recurring monthly supporters on Patreon and Substack qualify for our monthly drawing for Nudge Printing gift cards. If you want to learn more, head on over to thefinalforceontheschedule.com slash support for links and more information. So let's talk about the Wisconsin Badgers. Last season, they were 20-15 overall, 9-11 in the Big Ten, and number 61 on Ken Palm. They were a team that looked like they were going to be in the NCAA tournament, and they just just faded a little bit right in the end. They just kind of were hovering all season on the bubble. Uh, they lost uh, their top two players, including Johnny Davis, uh, last year, but they still managed to kind of hang around and probably be, I guess, as in typical Wisconsin fashion, better than you expected. And their team looked pretty much like a Badger team. So <laughs> to that point, they were number 140th overall on offense, uh, with not very good three-point shooting, 34.2%, which was good for only 166th, but they were really terrible inside the arc. They were 322nd out of, what, 353 teams, so they're really dreadful. They also were not very good shooting free throws, which is I feel like is unusual for a Wisconsin team. They were 287th in field free throw percentage, and they were 342nd in field th- uh, free throw attempts per field goal attempt. So they didn't get to the line, and when they did, they didn't do anything when they were there. Uh, and and they couldn't, as what seems like very commonly recently, they just can't do anything on the offensive boards. So they weren't sub-200 in offense simply because they didn't turn the ball over, <laughs> which is also their MO, much like Iowa. So they're number third in turnover percentage. But defensively, they were they were pretty good, uh, which kept them in, in games largely. And they were the typical slow-moving plotting kind of offense, but defensively they were strong enough that they would keep themselves in games and give themselves a chance. They were 19th overall in defense, 57th against threes, 38th against uh, uh, 38th in defensive rebounding percentage, and they didn't foul very much. So they were not very good defending the twos at 257, but in general, they didn't allow as many attempts. And so they were good enough to make themselves competitive. And Greg Gard, is just continues to just linger at in Madison. It's hard to know sort of it's what his future, future is, but he's just good enough to not get fired, but never quite good enough to get completely off the hot seat, I guess is maybe a good way of putting it. If you listen to those numbers and your reaction to it is to wonder how the hell do you have these guys picked fourth? <laughs> I, I understand because they're not great, but there's enough there. And then you have to value, you have to assign a value to bringing people back and assuming that cohesion and experience will matter right. in terms of improvement in the areas that were weak points. And that's how I get there. Mm-hmm. But it, admittedly, you know, as you go through those numbers, it's striking how bad they were. <laughs> and it's not, and, and it's not normal. You know, it's not normal for Wisconsin to miss the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah. This is a program that I would say over the Tom Izzo era, I would make, 
I would probably be inclined to put them second behind Michigan State in terms of consistency. Mm-hmm. The number of years where they are a tournament team, I think, I'm positive, but I think since the 97-98 season, I think that was only the second time they missed the tournament. I might be missing one in there, but it's unfortunately for Greg Gard, both of them have come under him. Bo Ryan never missed it, I, I don't believe. Right. And Dick Bennett, the end of his career, was making it every year. So, and Brad Soderberg made it the, the the one year he was the interim when Dick Bennett retired in midstream. So that's why Greg Gard is, as you say, not on solid ground, it seems, because he's had this sort of up and down, you know, these years where they don't make the tournament. And then a year like 2019, 2020, when nobody saw it coming and they end up sharing for a, a time for a share of the league title, you yeah. know, that is, so it's been both directions. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I'll just look at the numbers, you know, Wisconsin just as a success, three final fours, four elite eights, uh, 10 sweet 16s, uh, three conference tournament championships, six big 10 regular tour. I mean, there's no question they're the second best team in the big 10 behind Michigan state over the last 20 plus years. Uh, by quite a large margin, it's not really that even close. Yeah, I mean, you could make, you could, you could try to cobble together arguments for programs like I think Ohio State, Purdue, um, Michigan's high points are up there, but Michigan has had far less consistency. Yeah, right, exactly. And long stretches during that period where they didn't even make the tournament. So yeah, I really do think it comes down to Wisconsin, but I think that's why last season was so jarring because. You're used to in a bad kind of like with Michigan State. What's a bad year at Michigan State? Well, bad year at Michigan State looks like 2020-21. Yeah. Where they get into the tournament, they lose a tight one in the play-in game. That's a bad year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a really bad year. And it's kind of been a bad year at Wisconsin, too. But last year went a step beyond that. And that's why I think there's that feeling. Let's put it this way. With expectations being reasonably high due in large part to how much is coming back. If Greg Gard doesn't get the job done with this team, then I really do think he could be in the hot seat. And that's every reason why you think he'll be successful <laughs> in some ways, because right. he'll do just right. enough to kind of stick around. Right. Right. Well, and you were on that, um, the uh, Wisconsin basketball podcast. What is, what was your impression of their impression of Greg Gard and sort of how they feel about his coaching? We, I don't recall that we got, that we got deeply into Greg Gard. I, uh, but but I do have an I do sense that there is dissatisfaction because let's remember there have been it wasn't just last year there have been several incidents there was there was a point in time actually right in the early stages of that last Big Ten title season where um, and I'm drunk Kobe King yeah was right. the kid's name he was their top offensive player at the time highly regarded in state recruit and he left. And that supposedly was due to some conflict between he and the coaching staff. And so there started to be some complaint. Well, what is this going to mean to our recruiting? Blah, blah, blah. And then they go out and they figure it out. But then that group came back. They're better. <laughs> in the Well, <laughs> they should have been. They were expected to be in, was it, was it? 2020 yeah it was the 2021 season yeah, i was gonna say they're better when they had everybody left, but yeah everybody right. back yep. everybody back big expectations 
and they were just mediocre. They were just okay. Mediocre by Wisconsin standards, meaning they made the tournament, but they weren't really a Big Ten title contender. When they, I, I believe they were the team I had picked to win it, or they were right up there yeah. because they were coming back with everybody. And after that group left, there started to be word about discord between some of the players. I, I believe their big man, Nate Reavers, came out and said he had problems with guard and the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So this has happened a few times. And you just wonder when, when's the point that it's going to get to be too much. And I have to believe their fan base feels that way. Their fan base, I think, for obvious reasons, got very spoiled by the Bo Ryan era. Sure. Because Bo, I don't think Bo Ryan ever finished outside of the top four in the Big Ten in the regular season. Pretty sure every year he finished in the top four. Could be, yeah. They won all those Big Ten titles. Um, they had a couple of Final Four runs, which were great. One run to a national championship game. It, it's hard not, when it goes on as long as that did, it's hard not to get that level of expectation embedded in you. Yep. You know? And so when there's something that's more normal, which the Greg Gard era in terms of results has been more normal for a good program to have, we're not talking about elite, uh, that, that looks worse by comparison. It's frankly, whoever steps into that seat after Tom Izzo, whoo. Yeah. I don't envy them. No, because it's going to be this, this on steroids. It because Izzo obviously is even beyond a Bo Ryan. Um, that's that's what happens, and so it's tough for Greg Gard. I don't think Greg Gard has done a bad job by any means. I don't think he's done a great job. I think he's been solid. And so the question you would have to ask yourself, if you're a Wisconsin fan, is is solid good enough? I would say this: be very careful, very careful what you wish for, <laughs> right. because I'm old enough to remember decades of absolute unmitigated futility from the Wisconsin basketball program. So the idea that Wisconsin as a program, as a university is just entitled to greatness, no matter what I would suggest is flawed. Yeah. I mean, if you're over the age of 40, 45, you remember Wisconsin being dreadful in basketball and football and not being competitive either. Right. Every single year, if you were trying to pick the big 10, you would start by putting Wisconsin ninth, Northwestern tenth, and then you move from there. <laughs> yep, both both sports. Yeah, and so Bear Alvarez, who we've mentioned many times the show, turned things around and uh, started with football, then moved to basketball, and probably you know the it'd be interesting. I've not looked at it obviously, but to see what what if what it was like with Tony Bennett with uh, with him, uh, Nick Bennett, Nick Bennett. Yeah, sorry, Nick Bennett. Uh, with him when he came to Wisconsin, because of course they were the usual terrible Wisconsin before he got there. It took him, it took him, it took him maybe, I want to say it took two or three years. Which is for remarkable. For him to get on solid footing. But, but, let, but well, he was a hell of a coach. I yeah. mean, Dick Bennett was a great coach at Wisconsin Green Bay. Michigan State fans of a certain age may remember he took Steve Smith's senior year MSU team into overtime in the NCAA tournament. Yeah where his son, Tony Bennett was the star. Uh, it took him a, a little while, but you know, he had that team that went to the final four in 2000. So Dick Bennett, 
achieved things. You know, he was really the start. And I think that sometimes that gets forgotten. I mean, yeah. Bo Ryan just had a great run, but Dick Bennett is the guy that was the first coach in my lifetime to actually have Wisconsin playing at a good, strong level. He yes. was the guy who started it. And then Bo Ryan took it and elevated it from there. And, and now we're, we're where we are with Greg Gard. It, it'd be just interesting to look back to see if he's that, if he was that much more successful in Greg Gard. I mean, obviously he had some NCAA tournament runs, like you mentioned that were Dick successful. Bennett, yeah. Um, but you know, in the in the tournament, yes. Overall, I would say no. Yeah, and so then you know that's you could say Greg Ards, yeah. He's he, but diff, your viewpoint is different from your as a fan because you've seen all the success. Now you're getting guys yes. like yeah versus before. Your perspective eh, pretty good. shifts. Yeah, for your sure. Perspective shifts absolutely. Our sponsor Nudge Printing has another business for those of you who are looking for corporate uh, outings or specialty spe- t-shirts. You know, you need something printed for your your football team, your robotics team, your basketball team, maybe you're going to family vacation, you can go to fabricatedcustoms.com and that's Gabe and Brittany's print shop that actually does the specialized shirts. They can design them for you if you want. You can contact them at fabricatedcustoms.com. You took a 20% off your order if you mentioned Final Four uh, in the coupon code at checkout, but they can do anything you need as far as screen printing. So if you're going to go on that family vacation and you want everyone to have the matching t-shirts for some reason, which I seem feel like it only happens when you go to like Disney or something like that. But if you have a big corporate retreat or something like that, and you want to get a bunch of shirts. They're the ones to go to super high quality. There'll be shirts people want to wear afterwards because they're going to be soft and very wearable. So just head on over to fabricatedcustoms.com or if you want to just get your regular stuff at nudge printing where you get all your Spartan gear, head on over to nudgeprinting.com and there you can, they'll take care of you. And set you up right. All right, so let's talk about the departing players for Wisconsin. First is Jordan Davis. So he's the the uh, he was a second twin, uh, second set of twins, right? The the the, um, the Murray twins at in Iowa, and Wisconsin had their twins. Uh, Johnny Davis was the first round lottery pick, but Jordan did not pan out the same way. He certainly didn't seem like he was going to be as good as uh, Johnny Davis, and he certainly didn't turn out that way. He ended up with uh, averaging 5.1 points a game, three and a half rebounds a game. He shot 40, 31, and 60, and uh, ended up transferring to Illinois State, which I think kind of tells you all you need to know about him and um, and sort of the, the season he had. He just was not, I mean, anywhere close to the impact that his older, or his, I should say older brother, <laughs> his twin brother was. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. Uh, he certainly had the opportunity. I mean, he averaged a little over 20 minutes a game last year, so it wasn't as if he didn't get a chance, but uh, the results were what they were, and yeah. they suggest that he was at best a role player at a Big Ten level. So it didn't work out quite the way it did for the Murrays at Iowa. Uh, in this case, there was a very clear, serious gap between the two Davis twins as a player, and he's opted to move down to the Missouri Valley and Illinois State where Presumably, he'll get more of a chance to be a focal point for what they do than he would have had at Wisconsin, where I don't think it was even a given that he would start. And so what is an unusual thing that we've, if you've been listening to these previews up to this point, the unusual point here is that this is our second and last departing player <laughs> for a team in the Big Ten. Yeah. So, and this is, I think, to your point earlier, why you have Wisconsin fourth is there's so much stability uh, and so the only other departing player is Jacoby Neath. He's a six foot four guard injured last season, played a couple games. He really uh, didn't have much impact. And he ended up going back to Canada. Eh? 
Yeah. Hey. Uh, yeah. You know, and and that's the thing with with all the things that we we just got done talking about that were at least slightly negative about Greg Gard. I, I don't mean I don't mean to be that way. I actually like Greg Gard. I think he seems like a solid guy. Uh, he he's never been someone with a reputation of, um, you know, working things ethically in questionable ways. I I can't speak to the internal stuff. Maybe maybe he's not a good guy, but yeah. Um, I've never had a problem with him. One thing you got to give him credit for all that stuff aside that we just talked about is what you just mentioned. We've got two players departing, both of whom for which it's easy to understand why his culture can't be that horrible. <laughs> right. For sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, it just can't be. They won't miss Neath, by the way. He no. just didn't. No. He yeah. was injured last year. He only played in three games. He was a guy when they brought him in, they thought he'd be able to help. It just never panned out because of health, et cetera. So not really a loss given where they are right now. So we'll go through all the returning players. We'll begin with uh, Tyler Wall, who is clearly the best player, six foot nine. Uh, he's ended up taking his COVID year at Wisconsin, which they weren't certain about. His biggest problem, aside from uh, a little bit of inconsistency, is the fact that he just had a lot of trouble with injuries. He missed a couple games last year, but even when he was playing he was still a little bit injured playing through a lot of that so he averaged 11.3 points a game 6.3 rebounds a game he shot 42 29 and 63 and so you know i guess you're the the things you point out to him is that yes he's injured a lot but also his three-point shooting his ability to stretch the floor is really not is not a, been there like it has for lots of these other bigs for in wisconsin recent history yeah i i think with him his performance last year you look at how he shot inside the arc and that was down significantly from the year prior. So to me, that says the injuries limited him even more than the few games he missed would indicate. Yeah. I don't think he was really straight physically for a lot of the year when he's at his best, you know, what he's really been, he's really been a, uh, a discount Ethan hat. Yep. I was gonna say, <laughs> exactly. He really is. He's, he's worked himself to the point that when he's right, He's pretty effective inside the paint. That old standard Wisconsin, clever, deliberate, but poised and efficient finishing mm -hmm. inside the arc. He's not been able to ever be a consistent floor stretcher, which limits him. Same way it did with Hap. But you can also rely on Wall to be a solid decision maker out of the post. Uh, he handles the ball reasonably well. Like Hap, he's also not great at the line. So there's a lot of similarities there. He's not as good as Hap, but he's a good player. Uh, and and obviously, look, getting him to take the COVID year and come back for one more go around, big, big positive. Because if he's healthy, Tyler Wall can play. I mean, he might not be a star, but he's a very good Big Ten player overall. And I feel like for Michigan State, the, they won the last two games in Madison, but both games, didn't Wall miss both of them? I know he missed the one the year before, but I think he he's missed, missed He's missed a couple, yeah. He's, he's not been, he has not been a factor against Michigan state because of injuries. Next returning player would be Chucky Hepburn, six, two guard, uh, junior point guard, who is, um, rumored to have, uh, leave the Badgers and head to, to Nebraska either or to Creighton, but he's coming back to Madison. So again, to sort of to your culture point, culture can't be terrible at, at Madison. If he wants to stick around, he scored two, 12.2 points a game. He shot 38, 41 and 72. Led the team assists with a two to one assist to turnover ratio. Good defender, uh, and so you know he's kind of your standard Badger point guard. 
This is one I, you know, we talked about my guesting on a Wisconsin podcast last last spring. This was one that we did talk about. I don't recall us talking about guard too much, but we did talk about Chucky Hepburn. And and I had said to the host, I did not understand why the Wisconsin fan base seemed to be so down on him because they did. It didn't, I, I didn't understand it because you look at his numbers and they're very productive, but just as importantly, some of the things he did well, they don't have anybody else on the roster who was doing them in that way, namely shooting the three. Right. This is a bad jump shooting team, and he's a good jump shooter. They need that. The rumors were very strong that he was going to be leaving. He's from uh, Omaha, I believe. So the, the rumors were he was going to transfer back home to either Nebraska or Creighton. That did not happen, which I think was a big positive for Wisconsin because, again, just as we were talking about with Maryland, you have a veteran coming back at the point. You are way ahead of the game. Oh yeah, in today, especially in today's college basketball, I think. So I like Chucky Hepburn. I was very skeptical of him as a freshman when he got a lot of preseason hype, and it took him about half the year. First half of the year, I was feeling pretty good about that skepticism. <laughs> Second half of the year, I could see why there was some positive thought around him. And then last year, I thought he played pretty well. The the one thing you can say about him at times that I would offer as a justification for some of the negative feeling is I have seen situations in close games and Wisconsin will, by virtue of their style alone, will play a lot of those. I have seen situations where he didn't seem to be making optimal choices in terms of shot selection, whether to take a shot or look to find somebody else those types of decisions. And so that's something that they would probably like to see improve. But, you know, again, he was only a sophomore last year. Yeah. If he's still doing that stuff as a junior, okay. Then you got to knock. But I, I would I would give him, I would cut him a little bit of slack. And there wasn't really anyone to pass you to shoot either in some respects. That, that too. That too. Uh, next returning player is seven-foot senior center, Stephen Kroll, averaging 12.1 points a game and 6.9 rebounds a game. Shot 51, 31, and 63, so he's had a little bit of ability to stretch the floor a little. And um, it's an effective player, and I, it, the question, I guess, is can he raise that 31% up a little bit higher to his three-point shot? He's going to be really tough to handle. That's it. I think he's become a pretty good low-post player. But since they got him, they've talked about him as a floor stretcher. And I think when you look at the results, that's been more rumor than fact to date. But if he can turn that into actual production, and I don't mean he needs to become, you know, uh, uh, Bryn Forbes, but 35% maybe, yeah, something like that, he goes up a level, the offense goes up a level because he just gets a lot tougher to guard. Right now, if, if I'm playing Wisconsin, I'm inclined to let Kroll take those shots. I don't feel like I've got to press up on him and put a high line on him you know, in terms of guarding the three, I'm going to let him take a lot of those shots and make him prove that he can beat me from there. Uh, but if he can change that, well, that could change a lot of other things too. Yeah. I guess you could say, well, in general, he's not doing anything inside on the offensive boards either. Um, so, you know, but they never do, but yeah, right. So they never do. You don't, you don't ask, you don't expect a Wisconsin big to be a second chance guy because they just don't emphasize it. They don't do it. Next player returning is Connor Sejan, six foot four sophomore. Uh, 
he always had those cheeks that remind me of Aaron Kraft. Like they immediately are red within <laughs> about like three seconds of the game. He was really good. He averaged 11.7 points a game, started 19 games. He shot 40, 36, and 88. And I think his deep shooting was even better when he first kind of started to get going and then it came down a little bit higher. But uh, still a welcome addition for the team that really sorely lacked shooting last season. Yeah. If he does what he did last year, they'll take it. I think they're hoping he can be even better. And if he could just go a tick higher as a three-point shooter, that really helps. But they, they like what he is as a, as a complete player. He's solid defensively, obviously a three-point threat. They think he can probably evolve into being able to score multi-level, not just, not just mm-hmm. as a jump shooter. But, yeah, really good start for him, and I think reason to be optimistic he can be a little better as a sophomore. And he's nothing like Brad Davison, so we're okay with him. Uh, Max Klesman right. is next to six foot three senior, uh, transferred from Wofford the year before, averaged eight point four points a game on forty two, thirty eight, and seventy shooting. Started all thirty three games, and again another great role player and a sort of a classic Wisconsin basketball player. Yeah, they really like him defensively. I mean, the offensive numbers are solid. But he was really good defensively, and at six three, he's got he's got that size that he can guard a number of different people. As you mentioned, he started all thirty three games last year. I'm not going to be surprised at all if he moves into a reserve role this year. It's not a knock on him as a player; it's just that they've added a guy we'll talk about who I think has a chance to make them more dynamic than they've been, and that would mean somebody's got to leave the starting lineup and. It would seem to me that the obvious candidate for that would be Klesmet more than a Seijun. Uh, but who knows? I, regardless, Klesmet's going to play a lot. He's He is very much a, even though he was a transfer, he didn't commit to Wisconsin out of high school, he is very much a an example of what you think of when you think of the Wisconsin basketball program. He's not a, not a world-beating jumper. Um, he doesn't wow you but he's physically and mentally tough, plays hard, plays efficiently. Those are all good things for them. Next is Kamari McGee, six-foot junior, averaged 1.3 points a game in just seven minutes a game, transferred from Green, uh, Wisconsin Green Bay. He shot 28, 19, and 88 last year. So, um, you know, obviously shooting is a problem <laughs> if he wants to spend more time on the floor. Yeah, the one thing he's got going for him is he's got quickness. He's got athletic ability at the guard spot that they don't have in other guys. I'm not sure that's going to be enough to increase his role, but if he can find a little more efficiency and consistency in other areas, it's possible because that is one element he has in his favor. Next string player, Carter Gilmore, six of been senior, uh, 225 pounds, a walk-on. Uh, he did plays, though, despite being a walk-on. He averaged 2.6 points a game and two and a half rebounds a game in about 19 minutes, shooting 41, 19, and 44. Yeah, I, I think despite the shooting problems and the fact that he's not much of an offensive threat, he's going to be in the rotation somewhere because he's, again, it's a standard. You see Carter go more, and you think, well, where else could he play? <laughs> he fits so perfectly. He's tough, he's strong, good defensively, plays hard, and plays relatively smart as well. Limited to some extent in skill areas, but 
he does enough that I think he finds his way into minutes. Will it be 19 minutes a game again? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But it, he's going to be in that rotation. Isaac Lindsay is a six foot four junior, played 24 games last year, averaging uh, six minutes a game, scoring one and a half points on 32, 33, and 50 shooting in obviously limited volume. Yeah, so he was mostly in the rotation, and maybe he will be again in a similar role, but unless some things change offensively, I don't see a reason for his minutes to bump up, and in fact, I, I, I could imagine it going the other way. And these, the, him and then the next two players we'll talk about are sort of an example of the opposite of what we see in most of these teams where you see these players who don't play as many minutes stick around and try and develop into something yep. more. So next would be Chris and Hodges. And that's a credit. Yeah, to credit, credit to Wisconsin. To guard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, next player would be Chris Hodges, six foot nine sophomore, only played 30 minutes all last season. And so, you know, he's sticking around to try and uh, develop a bigger role in the team. Yeah, and it's about development. He came in as a guy that needed to develop his body. He needed to improve his skill set. That hasn't happened yet. You know, six nine is a nice place to start, but you got to show those things if you're gonna if you're gonna work your way into the rotation. And you also have to remember that although Greg Gard, I think, plays a slightly deeper bench than his predecessor did, it's still not like standard issue Tom Izzo you know, 10 man rotation and, you know, everybody's playing a decent amount of minutes. Wisconsin tends to play a relatively tight rotation. So it's, it's difficult. It's not an easy thing to work your way into it. Final returning player is Marcus Ilver, 6'8 junior played 18 games last season, averaging seven minutes a game and 1.6 points a game. Yeah. And again, same thing for, for Ilver, you know, he's, he's had some opportunities. It hasn't really worked out to date. Uh, He'll continue to have opportunities, I imagine, but the competition seems to be increasing for those limited minutes available. So I probably wouldn't be betting on a big breakthrough this year, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. Before we talk about the newcomers to the Badgers team, just a reminder to check out the Brothers to Just Two Gutters. We all have to deal with rain here in the state of Michigan, and you need to make sure that's taken care of. It doesn't pile up on the side of your house or get stuck in your gutters, leak on the, down the side of your house. Make sure you have gutters, in fact, because you have to deal with plenty of water here. So uh, make sure you call the Brothers at Just Two Gutters. You can find them at brothersgutters.com or the contact information uh, in the link below in on your podcast player or on the website at the Final Four on the schedule.com. You get 10% off if you mention Final Four in your order. They can replace, repair, clean your gutters, do anything you need to do, have done. They work efficiently, very well priced, and they work in just about any weather. They worked in mine in the dead of February where it was like sleet and they were, got the job done. It was, I was actually pretty amazed they were coming out and doing the work. So you can't go wrong. The brothers just do gutters. That's all they do. They just do gutters. All right. So newcomers in the, when you were kind of alluding to earlier, new newcomer, AJ store, six, six, 200 pound sophomore transfer from St. John's. And so he uh, averaged 8.8 .8 points a game last year on 43, 40 and 75 shooting. A much bigger addition than even those numbers would suggest. Yeah. They think AJ Store can be a star. Uh, he provides the kind of athleticism on the wing that Wisconsin doesn't always have or even often have. And so I expect him to contend for a starting role and probably to earn one. Uh, they think he's just scratching the surface, what he did that freshman year. If he's the offensive threat that they expect, having him in there alone is going to elevate that Wisconsin offense because 
it's giving you a guy that can hopefully improve your three-point shooting, 40% last year, pretty solid number. Yep. And yet he's also dynamic too, so he can score in other ways. Uh, I don't want to say he's ready to be Johnny Davis part two, but he could give Wisconsin some of the same things in a very general sense that Johnny Davis gave them. And that was something they, that was an element they just did not have last year. Yeah. They didn't have anybody that could do those things. I hope is obviously Jordan Davis is going to be that. And he wasn't right. And so if store can even be say 75% of that, well, that's, they'll take it. That's pretty good. And that will make them better. But I think he's going to make a major impact and it's his presence that explains why I think Klesmet could be moving to a reserve role. It's not a knock on Klesmet. It's just store brings some things to the table that Klesmet doesn't. It's interesting because I feel like this is the one way that guard is maybe a little different than Bill Ryan, that he, that he's, he has had some dynamic player. I mean, he had Davis and, you know, if you get, if this guy is what he's no, Kobe, be, Kobe Kane, Kobe, Kobe Kane was that kind of player too. Yeah. Before he lost him. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there, it's a little bit different bas- Wisconsin basketball. It still seems very similar, but it's different in slightly, you know, other ways. So, uh, next player would be returning or sorry, newcoming player is John Blackwell, six, four guard from Birmingham, brother rice, uh, son of Illinois, great Glenn Blackwell. And, uh, you know, he's a recruit and what do you think of him and what he can bring to Wisconsin? I think a lot of people in the state of Michigan would tell you that he was severely underrated. Uh, and it's another one of these funny things because you know, he played for the family. So he played EYBL, high profile AAU basketball. He played for a brother rice program that was not low profile. <laughs> they may be underachieved last year, relative to expectations, but they certainly weren't bad and they were visible. And yet he never got a lot of attention. Michigan state. I don't believe either Michigan state or Michigan ever offered him. He, in fairness, he, he committed to Wisconsin very early. I think he, if I remember correctly, he committed before his junior year. Wow. So I, I think they believe he's got a chance to be really good. Uh, to date, I think you'd classify him as more of a wing, but they think he's got the potential to actually be an on-ball guy. And if he can do a little bit of that, that would really help because that would mean he would be able to compete with McGee directly for a rotation role behind um, behind Chucky Hepburn. You know, Because of the way Wisconsin runs their offense, point guard isn't necessarily as mission critical as it is at a place like Michigan state, right. For example, the, the approaches are different, but they still need guys who can initiate offense, get them into sets, you know, get them into their, their, their stuff and, uh, and not make mistakes. I don't know yet whether Blackwell is ready to do that as a freshman, but they think he could be in time. They also think he's a good shooter. They think he should be a good defensive player eventually as well. I think what, what is at issue here is what I talked about a few minutes ago. Tight rotations being the norm at Wisconsin. Is there enough room for John Blackwell to earn minutes as a freshman? Maybe, maybe not. And I think it probably comes down to him versus McGee. Yeah. And I don't mean this is a knock against Wisconsin, but I'm, I'm always surprised to hear stories like this, like the kid from Southeast Michigan commits early to a school like Wisconsin. It doesn't strike me as a place that's like super sexy to play at. Uh, I mean, obviously he would have been exposed to it because it's a big 10 school, but that you would commit so early to a school like Wisconsin in your in recruitment, unless that's like the, unless he was so under recruited by other team major teams that he just wanted to get on, get on board before you know they changed their mind. Yeah. It, it's, you know, 
there, there's wisdom in that in the current environment. I would say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. I wasn't. I wasn't plugged into that one enough to know yeah. what really led to it. You know, his his dad. Uh, I remember his dad was a star at Highland Park High School, and then was a very good player for Illinois in the early to mid eighties. Um, so I'm not sure why I didn't get the sense Illinois was heavily involved. Not sure why. Um, yeah, it is a weird one, but, uh, look, there's an, it's a big 10 program and a good one. Yeah. So there's an opportunity there for him. We'll see how early he's ready to take advantage of it. Yeah. And there are always so many guards at Illinois anyway. There's no, no reason to recruit anymore. Uh, so next is Gus Yaldin, 6'8", 240-pound, big man. Uh, <laughs> and I guess he may look a little bit like the uh, more of a lumbering sort of big player for Wisconsin here. I suspect he is going to draw attention, assuming he plays. I would expect he's going to draw a lot of attention around the Big Ten right away, both from Wisconsin's fan base and from others. He's, he's got star potential at Wisconsin. And I, I don't necessarily mean his on-court play, although I think they, they, they do believe he'll be good eventually, but he seems to be from what I've gathered, kind of a big personality. He does not look like a conventional basketball player. <laughs> um, so that will help or hurt depending upon how you're coming at it. Um, but I think he's look, he's got to do some conditioning work. That seemed obvious to me watching him. I saw him a little bit in high school, and that that's a given, that he's got to get in better shape. But I think he's in a good place to do that. And the thing you have to like is he generally is considered to be a guy who plays very hard, and he's got very good low post skills. I'm not going to say he's exactly the same player as Jackson Kohler. He's not. But in a very general sense, it might look similar because like Jackson, he's mostly a below the rim player, but he can be really effective in the post with his footwork, his touch, his ability to create and use angles, his ability to use his body to create space, all of those kind of things. And all those skills tend to play well in Wisconsin system. You know, one way or another, that's how their big men play. So I think to me, the questions right now are, can he get in better shape early enough to help? how competent is he defensively at this stage, but it would not shock me if he gets some early minutes and it's a real help that he's got some guys ahead of him. You know, you would look at this team and say maximum. He's probably looking at being the fourth post player behind wall and Kroll as starters. And then Gilmore as the top reserve. So if he's your number four guy at a place like Wisconsin, maybe he's playing eight minutes a game. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that might be about right. And short bursts, I could see him helping offensively. I think he's got the potential to do that. His picture certainly looks uh, like he's a little bit out of, like an out of shape Derek Nix as a freshman. <laughs> Are you looking at him? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's not quite that. It's not quite that bad, but it's, yeah, he's got work to do. Well, speaking of, uh, I guess, weight issues, Nolan Winter is the defined look player we'll talk about, newcomer, six foot 10, 190 pounds. Where if I imagine if he turns sideways, you won't even see him. Uh, he's from Minnesota, uh, which is a fitting name for the last name Winter. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, or I, Madison. I imagine. I imagine he'll definitely fit in well at the Wisconsin if he actually puts on some weight. Maybe they could just maybe he could just borrow a few pounds from Yaldon. 
Man, it is. Yeah, if they could just swap that out, it would be perfect. It's he is again. It's the template, right? Uh, Matt Painter wants seven foot nine guys, <laughs> and so any seven foot nine guy in the country, you figure Purdue's going to be involved at Wisconsin. Big men who aren't very gifted athletically, often from the state of Minnesota, who can shoot. They get those guys a lot. <laughs> um, and Nolan Winter is just the latest. He's got to do, he's got to add some weight, you know, strength, get better defensively before he's going to be ready to play. But when you start with 6'10 and an ability to shoot the jumper, and he has both of those things, that's why they offered him. And so we'll just have to see. You know, sometimes it's not that every one of these guys develops. They, they miss on a lot of them, but they've got a type. And their MO has always seemed to be, we take these kind of guys with that potential and we figure that, you know, one out of every two, one out of every three of them is going to develop. And they're usually right. Well, I'll give you an example. So when they brought, when they brought in Kroll, the same year, they brought in a guy named Ben Carlson, who's no longer with the program. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, both of those guys were similar size. Kroll was maybe a couple inches taller, but they were both big men who could shoot. One developed, one didn't. You know, that's okay. So with Winter, we'll see if he develops. Yeah, I feel like, and I think you've mentioned this before, but just with big big men, there's just so much more uh, randomness, I guess, with who manages to pull it off and develop. Absolutely. Right, versus other positions. Well, it, it, in, in part because... I think it's two things. One, there's usually some level of physical transformation that has to take place. Either guys are needing to slim down or they're needing to get stronger. Yeah. But, but rarely do big men come in and they're just bam, they're ready to go from the moment they step on campus. They are, they are there at a, at a high major level. That's not common. And then I think, I think in addition to that, it's, when you're that big and you're playing high school, oftentimes, unless you are playing at truly the highest, highest levels, like a traveling prep school, you are not challenged physically all the time. Right. And so that is a shift to go to college, to a high major level where you are going to be challenged by guys who are just as big as you, just as strong as you, if not stronger, more experienced, more skilled every night. And so how long it takes you to make that transition. And it's a bigger one than I think a lot of people realize that is often determinative of whether it comes together or not. Can you make that transition? In other words, were you doing the things you were doing just because you, you kind of physically overwhelmed a lot of the people you played against, or are you really that good and you're able to do it against guys who are your peers? You right. can't know until you get the chance to prove it. Yep. Right. Like the seven footer in Ishpeming, you know, is he really great or is it just because he's right. playing against, you know, Guys are six inches shorter than him. And and look, we're, I, I don't mean to. Obviously, we've got better, more sophisticated ways to measure that stuff now than you used to. AAU, yeah, right, makes a big mm -hmm. difference, you know. But it, but it's still. I'm not talking about even the potential as much as how how easy is it to tell who's truly going to max out. And, and, and who isn't, it's, it's not an easy thing. Yeah. All right. Well, if you're like me, you like free stuff. 
and I love contests, especially they're free. And so you should join our Beat Rod contest this this fall. It's all you have to do is send a prediction to me at Eric at tffinots.com, where you predict the final Big Ten standings one through fourteen. We'll use the same tiebreakers as I used for the Big Ten tournament seating, just to make it easy. Also, it's a tiebreaker for the contest, which we had to use last year. Make sure you send in how many points you think Michigan State will score against Michigan this year in their two matchups. Uh, you have to get those entries into me before the first Big Ten game is played in December sometime. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the calendar yet. Well, actually, the calendar's not out as we're recording this. So once we find that, that's when the deadline is. And so make sure you get those, those, uh, those picks in. Rod, of course, is picking this all way before the season has started. So you will have the advantage of watching a couple Big Ten or non-conference games by these Big Ten teams. And so you may get a jump on who actually is real and who is not. And that last season, that was def Clearly, Purdue is going to be a better team than we had predicted. So that gives you the opportunity to get a little edge. But make sure you get those in. Winners will win gift cards for nudge printing. All right. So looking at this team, again, you have them ranked fourth. So as you've mentioned a number of times, Michigan State, Purdue are probably like the top tier, the Big Ten. And then there are all the rest of the teams. There's Ohio State, Wisconsin, Maryland. And so Wisconsin in that clump, and you think they're probably last year, which was not great, but they're okay. But they've added some and not lost much. And so the expectations are going to be a little bit better this year and almost certainly an NCAA tournament team. I think so. I mean, as I said at the outset, you look at those numbers from last year, and if that leads one to be skeptical, to how good they'll be, I get it. My 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 defense to that is, I think some of those guys are better than they showed. I think the addition of store in particular could be a really big one for them in terms of improving the offense. And so you put all that together, all those guys coming back, more experience, plus one at least one really good addition. I think that makes them better. I have to think they'll shoot it at least a little better from range than they did a year ago. Um, they've also got to get better inside the arc too. But, uh, you know, I, I look at that. Tyler Wall is healthy. He should be better in that area. I think Kroll probably takes another step. Mm -hmm. And Store, again, is going to be a help there as well because he's dynamic enough to be a true three-level scorer. You turn to the defensive end. They were very good last year. I see no reason to think they won't be good again this year. They're not going to turn you over, but they're going to make you take shots you don't want to take in spots on the shot clock you don't want to take them. They're not going to foul you, and they're going to rebound your misses. Not going to give up a bunch of second chances. When you do those things as consistently as they tend to, you're going to keep yourself in game. So really, the equation here is I'm figuring their defense will once again hold other teams down somewhat. So then it becomes a matter of can they find ways to get just enough better offensively to get them over the hump and turn some of those losses into wins. And I think there's a reasonably good chance that happens. They were close last year. And I think there's a good argument for them being better this year. Um, you know, if, if you look at guards tenure, it is true that there have been times they've had high expectations and they haven't fared as well. Whereas in some other years, they've come in with more muted expectations and they've surprised like yeah. 2019, 2020. Uh, I don't know that I believe that that's a definitive pattern with him, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, you know, I, I've got him fourth. I don't get the feeling, though, that there's this great groundswell that all oh, people are expecting huge things from Wisconsin. So I don't know that it would 
it would qualify. I don't think there's, for example, there's as much expectation around this team as there was in 2020, 2021, when they brought all those guys back from a Big Ten championship team. This is bringing a bunch of guys back from an NIT team. Right, exactly. So I, I don't feel like I don't feel like there's this groundswell of we we ought to be great out of Madison. But I do think it's fair. Expect them to be a tournament team again. I think they can finish in the upper tier of the league. I would be surprised if they contended for the league championship, but I guess you never know. Um, but yeah, I think it should be a good year in Madison and kind of a return to more or less standard operating procedure. Yep. And to your point earlier, you know, if this is a year they fall on their face again, uh, then you that guard. Then I think tenures, start talking about guard. Yeah, I think he's, he's yeah. maybe in a little trouble because he, again, it doesn't seem like he has a whole lot of support in general and for whatever reason. So, all right. Well, uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. Again, reminder to check out our sponsors, Nudge Printing and the Brothers Suggest Two Gutters. Uh, you can find those links on the podcast description below. And uh, as we get close to the top of the Big Ten, we have number three, number two, and then number one. Of course, Michigan State is always the last one we do, no matter where you have them picked. So you have to tune in to find out where we have everyone picked. So until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. Go green.